get ourselves going over here. Okay, so when we left off uh, in the regular part of the sitter, which I guess is, was from uh, from two weeks ago or so, so we had finished uh, Baruch Shamar, and that means we were up to Hodus. So if you look at, where is it? If you look at Hodus, that appears on the screen there? Yes. Okay. So um, the way they went ahead and they did it um, was not exactly the way it should be broken down. Um, so we'll have to make do with uh, the best that we can. We'll have to make do the best that, uh, that we can. But Hodu, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to divide it into three different parts. Um, the first is... I should say it begins with Hodu and goes to these words, Altareu. So that's, that's the end of part one. You'll see why it's part one in a minute. Then you have beginning with the words Shirula Hashem Kol Haaretz. So this is part two. This goes um, until. The Hallel Hashem, part two. And then part three is from Romamu, from here um, until the end, until Kigamalalai. So three different parts. Now, as we will, uh, we will see, the three different parts, the, uh, the division is based on, no, I'm going to go back to the beginning over here, is based on a, a medrash which is brought down. And let me go ahead and I will uh, leave with you the, uh, the, uh, what the, the Rishonim say about this. So this part I'm reading, uh, actually I'm gonna read it from here. Um, it, it comes from the Orchoschaim. The Orchoschaim is, uh, is one of the Rishonim. And he says, he writes as follows. Nogu liftach achar medrash Rabbi Yishmael and this is going to be something which is a significant. So he's going, Marcos Chaim is going like those who daven Nusach Sfard. So one of the first times, uh, if you find yourself in a new shul, and you just go ahead and you uh, grab your regular sitter, and suddenly you're expecting that it's going to go Baruch Shamar and then Hodu, and then you go ahead and uh, you discover that they're saying things out of order. So that is because in Nusach Sfard, they go ahead and they say Hodu with a couple of other paragraphs, but they say that actually before Baruch Shamar. So that's one of the first times that you're going to notice that you're in a Nusach Sfard uh, minion rather than in an Ashkenaz minion, because when you're expecting them to say the end of Baruch Shamar, suddenly they are on a completely different uh, section. So Norchos Chaim is actually giving this first statement that he makes is like Nusach Sfard, then Hodu is right after Rabbi Yishmael. So before you even get to Baruch Shamar, you already have this paragraph of Hodu. And he says, we say, Hodu Lashem Kiru Vishmo, which is taken from Divra Yamin. Uh, the verbatim, there is parallels to this in various sections of Tehillim, but the version which we say in Shul as part of the Siddur is taken from Divra Yamin. Narcos Chaim explains as follows. He says, The reason why we read this is, is a very interesting thing, that all of the time during David Amalek's lifetime, 
that the Aaron was, let's just say for simplicity, in the Mishkan. So David Amalch composed or enacted that they should read these psokim, these psokim which eventually made their way into Divar Yamim. He says, right, which is Divar Yamim. Which is some collection of midrashim, that and now here we'll look at it again. That in the tamid shel shachar, so they would say this is in the base of mikdash while they were bringing the morning tamid, omri Hashem. So they would begin from hodul Hashem, and they would say all the way until altareu. They would say all the way until here. So this is, if uh, uh, none of our Levium are here, uh, but uh, for the Levium, so they should practice up on reading this section over here, because this was sung besides the Shir Shal Yom, I guess, but this was sung while they were bringing the Tamid in the morning. And then he says, and then when they were bringing the afternoon daily Korban, they would say from Shiru Lashem Kol Haaretz, to Vahalel Hashem, which, as we said, is going to be right before the Roman booze. Um, Vahalel Hashem. So we identified this earlier as part one and part two. So it turns out now that part one is the song that they would sing when they brought the morning Tamid, that's part of Shachris, and the Tamid Shal Shachar. And then the second part is the song which they would sing, the Psukim that the Levim would sing when they were bringing the afternoon Tamid. And now, right away, before we get on to, uh, to the rest of this, so this already is a curious thing, because we would expect at this point that really we shouldn't be saying all of this in the morning. What should really happen is, is that section one, we should say in the morning, because the morning corresponds to the morning, Talmud. Section two should be read in the afternoon, because if this is brought in conjunction with the afternoon, Talmud, so that it should really be read at the time that you're, they would be offering the afternoon tamid, rather than in the in, in the morning. So for this, um, yeah. So he says, so the Lakute Maharich, it's one of these uh, svarim. So he goes ahead and he writes. Um, he says an interesting thing. He writes. He says, really, what should happen is only in the morning we should go till the end of section one. And then section two, it should be B'mincha. So why don't we go ahead and do that? So he says a fascinating thing. He says, He says, in my opinion, it would appear. He says that originally there was no such minog to read the psukim of the bringing of the korban at mincha time. So like we talked about a number of weeks ago, that in the section after birchas ha-shachar, so we read the psukim related to the offering of the korban mincha, sorry, of the of the korban tamid, of the daily tamid. And uh, there was a, uh, for many years, for many centuries, they did not do a parallel thing when, say, when davening mincha. They figured that it would suffice just to read about the Pesukim one time a day in the morning, and that was it. And he says, the truth is, 
that this idea of reading Pesukim related to the Korban by Mincha time is not mentioned in the Tur or in the Mechaber. He says, the Ramah brings it down, and he says, So the Ramah, quoting one of the Rishonim, but not what we would consider to be one of the classic poskim, so he mentions the idea to do it at Mincha time, but it's not something which was standard practice amongst the majority of uh, communities in Klal Yisrael. And he says, Therefore, when the, those who were uh, composing uh, the, uh, the Pesuket Zimra, so when they went ahead and did so, it's likely that it was not their practice to say the Korban Pesukim by Minchatan. And therefore, if you're going to read this song, so the, the only real, real uh, appropriate place to add it in would be part of Shachris. So that's why it was incorporated into the Shachris section, but has nothing at all to do with, uh, with really Shachris. It really has to do with the, uh, the afternoon Tamid, and it was just a, a convenient way of trying to, uh, to get that in. So that's number one. So number one is that you have section number one corresponds to the, the morning uh, Tamid. Section two corresponds to the afternoon Tamid. So now in a different place, this Lakute Marich, so he says the following. He says that um, He says the Minak Ashkenaz, which is what all of us here would be familiar with, is first we say Baruch Shamar, and then we say Hodu. And he says, and this is what the tour's opinion is, is that you say Baruch Shamar and then Hodu. Why? Because all of these psukim, which we're going to say, part one, part two, the Yehichavod and Ashrei and all the Halalukos, all of those are praises of God. And it makes sense, says the tour that what we should do is the way we should prioritize things is, is that we should first go ahead and say a bracha before all of those psukim, Baruch Shamar, and you'll have a bracha after all of those psukim, which is Ishtabach, and all of the psukim are going to be sandwiched between these two bookends of Baruch Shamar and Ishtabach. So the Torah says it makes perfect sense that Hodu should be after Baruch Shamar, and that way all of those psukim and praises of God will be sandwiched in between those two brachas. But he says, He says, is to say, before Baruch Shama. And he, he mentions those who, uh, other authorities who, uh, who subscribe to that view. Now he says, explains why. He says, it makes sense that you would want to put the sections of Hodu, sections in one and two of Hodu, after the section that we read in the morning following Birchas HaShacha, which is the Korbanos section. Because like we said, the paragraph of Hodu was enacted to be recited in conjunction with the bringing of the Korban Tamid. So after you read the section in the Siddur about the Korban Tamid, it makes sense that you'll read the associated Psukim, which is the first two sections of Hodu, and that's why they put it in before Baruch Shamar, because Baruch Shamar and all of those praises is a different part of the davening schematic over there, and really the Hodu is really a Korban-related thing, rather than a Zimra, rather than a song-to-God-related thing, and therefore, in their opinion, it makes more sense that you're going to go ahead and put Hodu in conjunction with the Tamid, rather than as part of of Sukkot Zimra.
So that's why they go ahead and have that structure in the in that uh, in that way. So that is as far as that is uh, is concerned. Section two and section three, uh, sections one and sections two. Now. Um, Now, in the world of prayer, uh, Rabbi Dr. Monk, so he says, he goes out and gives a, a thought as to why there's going to be that difference. What's going to be, uh, why was the first section uh, chosen to be the section which is going to be, uh, actually, you know, hold on, something beforehand. Um, Yeah, hold on. There's a uh, a sefer called Nesiv Bina. This is the name of the uh, of the sefer. Uh, this is a five volume set. Uh, it's more of an academic work, although the academics is is looking up Sfarim, but it's an academic approach to uh, the structure of the sitter and where the prayers originated from and who incorporated them. And it's a historical, uh, you know, uh, research thing. Obviously, it took a long time because it's five volumes, which are this. This thick, so it's a nice, uh, uh, you know, certainly a nice uh, doctoral thesis, and then some. So he writes that um, he says the first eight psukim is Peniyali Israel Lashir Hashem. Now this is going to be the theme of it. So the initial psukim are essentially the the dominant theme is going to be a call to the Jewish people to Bnei Israel. Lashir Hashem to go ahead and to sing songs to Hashem. So this is what you're going to have. I don't remember where exactly the end, uh, the eight end, but he says Lasiach b'choni flosav to go ahead and here's the sichu b'choni flosav is we're going to go ahead and we're going to recount all of his wonders. Lizkor uh, es briso to remember his covenant, which is davert siva leelavdor, which is over here, Davert Sival Al is to recall the covenant, the Briso, that uh, is, is there forever. And he says, and specifically, you have the idea, you have the covenant which Hashem made with uh, the uh, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov with regards to the giving of Eretz Yisrael. And how Hashem protected the Avos. Okay. Then he says, the second half is, as we said, begins with Shirul Hashem, right? Begins with uh, this passage over here. So he says, this is, uh, this is a, a call to sing a song to Hashem. Achapam, but in contrast to the first section, here in this second section, Ponimela we turn to the land, as well as the nations and the uh, the uh, the peoples of the world, kulam yehalu as Hashem isbarach. All of them should praise God, kihu anala mikolha elilim, because He is more exalted than all of the rest of the of the gods. When we say over here, kikol elohecha mim elilim, v'Hashem shamaim asa, which is for all on the English side, it's going to be for all the gods of the peoples are idols, whereas Hashem made the heavens. So we're calling, we're calling attention to the nations of the world that they should also be able to, uh, to recognize that, that Hashem. And then it goes on to say, wherever it went, 
you see, we call the mishpachos amim, the, the families of, of the nations, and everybody should be able to uh, to call out, and they're they're yeah they're they're crying. The heavens themselves, we say, yismechu hashamayim v'sagel haaretz. Sorry, it should be this last part. That the heavens should rejoice and the earth should also be uh, be happy. and they should say amongst the nations, Hashem Malach. So we're now spreading. So like a, uh, like the layers of an onion. So the first part starts out with Klal Yisrael praising God, and then once Klal Yisrael has solidified their position in terms of praises of God, then we go ahead and we expand outwards. And now we want. The, the heavens and the earth, as well as the other nations of the world also, to go ahead and recognize, uh, recognize Hashem. So all of this is going to be the, uh, the, main, the main part of, uh, of the, uh, the main theme over here. And in its conclusion, we say, we, go, we turn back to Klal Yisrael. These are the last uh, two psukim over here. And we say, um, we call to Hashem. Uh, we actually, we say, Hashem We're going to give thanks to Hashem because uh, He is good and His kindness is forever. Vimru, and we're going to declare, that the God of our salvation will save us. Again, that you want to gather us in and save us from the nations of the world so that we can give thanks. Here's Hodu, like we were talking about last week. Give thanks and acknowledge God. And to uh, provide praise with your, uh, with, your, uh, with your praises. Okay, so that is how we go ahead and we conclude that. And it ends, and those who are doing Daf Yomi, so you know this, that this phrase over here, so the Gemara and Tainus told us, the Mishnah and the Gemara and Tainus told us that in the Beis HaMikdash, rather than answering Amen to Brachas, so they had this longer, they had to memorize the entire Pasuk, rather than three letters of Amen, so they had to say this entire Pasuk, which is what's highlight, what should be highlighted on the screen in front of you over here, is this idea of, so we're, we're putting ourselves, in a sense, back into the Beis HaMikdash, and we're giving these praises, which were said at the time of the bringing of the morning uh, Korban, as well as the afternoon uh, Korban, and then we conclude section two with that Pasuk, which was used in place of answering Amen in the Beis HaMikdash, because in the Beis HaMikdash, they had a more elaborate way of confirming what exactly was going on with the, uh, uh, in terms of the praise, which would follow the, uh, whatever they were, they were saying. And that was this whole bracha that you have highlighted? That was right. Rather than Amen, so they would say this. Okay. So you can imagine that on a weekday Shemonesri, that really puts the brakes on the chazan. He's really got to pause in between one bracha and the next because he's got to give them all that time to go ahead and, uh, and, and say that, uh, that stuff. Much less time for daydreaming when you got a whole pasuk to say rather than just mumbling through, uh, through an amen. Um, okay, now, um, okay, now, in the world of prayer, that's what you have over here. So in his book, so he writes as follows. The way he understands the two different, the two sections is, I don't know if you have it there in front of you, uh, Ralph. But he say, we find that the initial section, the morning song, is a hymn of thanksgiving 
for the miraculous deliverance of the ark from the hands of the Philistines. So this is a story where the police went ahead and had they stole the ark uh, from us. And then while they had it, so that was bad news for the Plishtim. And they said, you know what? This is not serving us well, having ours. We're going to go ahead and return it. So they had, they composed this song as an appreciation of the fact that it was returned to them. And the mention of this event leads the psalmist to digress upon the many other miraculous divine interventions on behalf of Israel in the past. So that's what he's saying is the theme of section one is the miracles which Hashem has done for the Jewish people. The second part, the evening song, is by contrast, a vision of the future. And this is the difference. We didn't talk about this in terms of this time as we're going through the, through the sitter, but there's an interesting, the, uh, uh, the philosophy of the difference between the Shachris prayer and the Mincha prayer in terms of what we're giving thanks about and where our vision is directed, whether it's past, present, or future, Right, we have all these different ways. We have Shachris, Mincha, Marv, and there's all sorts of different perspectives and different structure of the tefillah. And all of these things are intertwined with, the, with one another. But he says that in Mincha, it's a vision of the future. It is a Shir Chadash. So remember, this second section began with the words, uh, where is it? Shir Lashem Shir Chadash. Um, over here. So it's a call for to go ahead and to sing to God. Nature itself, now he says, nature itself, freed from the immoral abuse in all the peoples and race of mankind, joined together to offer gifts to God. That's what he says is, So that is over here. Uh, let me go back. So this is the world in its state of perfection. That's why it's future directed, future uh, uh, yeah directed. So we're going to lift up a gift. The mincha is a gift. Uvo and we're going to appear before God. We bow to Hashem Kodesh in that holy uh, in that holy uh, place. In the concluding verses, recapitulate the two main ideas. As he said, and we, we said this before, that's the Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilam Chasto. It's giving thanks to Hashem. And the fact that Hashem is going to gather us in together and he's going to provide us with, uh, with protection. So that is as far as that is concerned. And then now we get to section three, which we've been, uh, which we've been uh, intentionally avoiding this, uh, this whole time. And the Nasiv Bina says, and I'll read it to you just so that uh, uh, that uh, so just take it for uh, if, if I had said it, so you'd say, oh, he rather well, just is getting lazy, didn't do his research. But this guy wrote five volumes on the sitter, so he must have done his research. So he writes regarding section three. He says the Fanenu leket shopsukin. So he says this is what you have from beginning with Romamu. To the oh no we're still not there yet till Kigamalai. so it says from here leket shabsukin it's a collection of shabsukin halakuchim mikol sifrei tilim which is taken from the five but some people divide sifrei tilim into five books corresponding to the to the uh, uh, the five books of Moses so there are five sections of tilim so you have psukim which are spread out amongst those five books. He actually has a list of them. I don't know how well you can see it. 
But over here, you see, these are not the psukim in order, but these are the psukim in terms of where they're found in the five books. He says that Ulai Amir's psukim bodidim mikolas farm. He says, perhaps the reason why, whoever the author is, we don't know who it is, it's not even the author, whoever the um, editor who decided to grab these psukim, these, these scattered psukim, Mikolas farm from all the different parts of Tehillim, is Nechsheves Kein Tachlit Lamiras Kolasefer. You sort of get credited with having read all of Tehillim. So I read a little from, uh, from book one, I read a little from book two, book three, book four, book five, and that basically covers the, uh, the whole thing. One, two, skip a few, 99, 100, and therefore I'm, uh, you know, I get credit for counting all, uh, all 100. So we do the same thing with these Epsokim. Gam he says it's also possible, Shahashem Psukit Zimra, that this section of davening called Psukit Zimra, Balalamid is coming to teach us, that this part of the Siddur, this is going to be in addition, the Halalukas represent, the Ashray and the Halalukas, that represents the chapters at the end of Tehillim, which you already mentioned is one way of getting credit for having read all of Tehillim, for we are finishing Tehillim by reading the last five, uh, five six chapters. So here he says that, that's, uh, that in addition to that, we read these scattered psukim so that we could get credit for having read the whole thing. Um, I imagine none of you here uh, say tikkun on Leil Shavuos, right? I could say that definitively because you guys are in Shul. <laughs> so if you're in Shul listening to uh, fairy tales, that means you're not saying tikkun. Um, there is a practice which you find amongst Sfardim and Hasidim that they have what's called tikkun Leil Shavuos. Tikkun Leil Shavuos is you want to get credited for having studied all of Torah. So how do you get credit with studying all of Torah? You read, let's say, for example, the first pasuk in each parsha of the Torah. In that way, if you read, Gracious Bell, Kim bam, credit for, uh, for, uh, for Parsha's Gracious. And then you say, Ela told us Noah, bam, I get credit for Parsha's Noah. And you read a pasuk, it may be the first and last, or just the first pasuk of each of those things. And then you make your way all the way through Tanakh doing the same thing. You read the first pasuk of each parak, and that gives you credit for having done the whole thing. And then you do the same thing with Mishnayis. You read the opening Mishnah of each Mesechta. And if you read the opening Mishnah of each Mesechta, then by the end of Shuas, you can say, okay, I went through Shas Mishnayis. Really? Well, I did the beginning of each one of those, uh, those, uh, those Mishnayis. So, uh, so in that way, so he says in a similar way, it could be that these psukim, which are, scat- which are taken from scattered places in Tehillim, is also a way of covering the totality, totality of Tehillim in the, in the morning. And then he says that the truth is, he says, motzim, we probably won't get to it t- tonight, but he says, motzim shnei we actually have two sections in Psukit Zimra, which have this uh, characteristic of being collections of seemingly random sukkim, which somebody decided that this collection in this particular order makes a lot of sense. Now, it's, again, it's not clear who did it and uh, what, what exactly the theme is. If this was um, a college uh, class about the sitter, so I would send all of you home to go ahead and read these psukim, the, uh, the third section of Hodu, this collection of psukim, and to say, write an essay about what is the theme, the common theme, which is running through these psukim. Because obviously there's some, it seems random, because it's, it's not even like they're quoted in, in the order in which they appear in Tehillim, and obviously whoever put
put them all together, did so with some sort of kavan, with some sort of intent. But he says that there's two sections which do this. One is this third section of Hodu. And he says, and also the paragraph of Yehi Chavod. That's the paragraph which introduces Ashrei in between Mizmor Lesoda and Ashrei. Also, Yehi Chavod is also a collection of Psukim. There's one part which is not a Pasuk, uh, which is uh, uh, a composite of different Psukim combined into one. And then there's also going to be a, a Pasuk from, uh, from Mishle, but also it's a collection of seemingly random Psukim which somebody put to it together. And now he says, and this is where the part where you shouldn't think that I'm lazy. He says, It's very difficult to find a logical pattern or a logical order to these psukim, and even a psychological one, regarding the order of these psukim. Because the truth is, is not only are they seemingly random psukim from different places in Telem, but it's psukim which switch back and forth between praises and requests, halal and bakasha. So there also, somebody obviously made some executive decision about going back and forth between these two things. And he says, okay, there are the rest of it, he says what he's going to try and do, but he, he comes up with somewhat of a theory of what it is. But the truth is, is that if you look through the Meforshim, and I've tried to look through many Meforshim, so it's difficult to be able to pin some of the Meforshim down for them to explain what exactly is the sequence. The most that I really find is the, the, the attempt by the Nasiv Bina to uh, create some sort of theme, at least transitioning from one Pasuk to the next. And then others, they are more than satisfied just telling you where and telling these Pasukim come from. And they don't give any commentary as to where it is. They just tell you where exactly it, it comes from. But that is this section of, uh, of Hodu. So as we said, it's comprised of three parts. The first part is a section where they would go, that they would say it by, in conjunction with the morning Tamid. The second section are the Psukim, which they would say in conjunction with the afternoon Tamid. And then the third section is the seemingly random collection of Psukim taken from the totality of, uh, of Tehillim. And we're not exactly sure where or uh, where that's, uh, that's coming from who went ahead and, uh, and put them together. And the truth is, is that you find in some uh, other uh, uh, commentators, they actually have different sets of psukim in some of them. But, uh, you know, in our times, it's certainly pretty much uh, codified across the board that we're going to read these uh, psukim and you don't, wouldn't find uh, var- variations of that. Okay. Now, at this point, we go ahead and we move over to Mizwala Soda which is what we have over here. And Mizmor Lasoda is, um, let me read to you from the Beis Yosef where exactly this comes from. Let me find it. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so the, the Beis Yosef, so here you have, you see it begins Mizmor Lasoda. So as we're going to see, so this is seen as a, uh, this is also somewhat Corbin related. This is seen as a, a, a chapter of Tehillim, which is said in, for Thanksgiving, not the day of Thanksgiving, not the calendar of Thanksgiving, but actual Thanksgiving to God for miracles which uh, one has experienced. So 
there were certain events in one's life that would true that a person would be appreciative to Hakadosh Baruch Hu for what he has uh, for what he has provided. So, in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, the way that a person would express that nowadays people will go ahead and they'll donate a Sefer Torah, they'll donate Tzfarim, they'll uh, you know pay for a new shul, I mean, or something like that. So, the people will do all sorts of things nowadays with with their money to go ahead and. Uh, and express their things. In the time of the Beis Hamitash, say they would bring a Korban Toda. If you have those who, who remember, what's unique about the Korban Toda is that it was brought in conjunction with 40 loaves, 30 of which were uh, uh, matzah, 10 of which are chametz. That's why we don't say Mizmola Soda on Pesach, because you can't have those chametz tikka loaves. But the, uh, they would go ahead and they would do so. And the, the Korban Toda had to be eaten, obviously, within a certain span of time the day and the night, that day and night. And if you're gonna go ahead and you're gonna pound down all of those carbs uh, and all of that gluten, so that somebody would have a difficult time getting that down themselves. So the very nature and structure of the korban require that you invite family and friends to join you in celebration. Because that's the only way you're gonna be able to finish off all of that, the, all of that food. So, but this was the, the original korban toda. And we now say this paragraph, uh, uh, sort of in, in uh, uh, reminiscent of that. The Beis Yosef writes, this is in Simon Nun Aleph. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, by, uh, corresponds to what would be the Sif test there. It says, So the same idea that they write in the Orchos Chaim, that this section of Mizmor Lesoda, Mitzvah Limshoch Oso Benegina. So it's supposed to be recited with song. So it's not supposed to be mumbled like uh, Charlie Brown's adults, um, or wah, 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 something along those lines. But there's actually supposed to be some sort of tune. It would be nice that if the Rishonim write this already, that somebody would have composed a tune, which would be ancient, which we would all be singing and be part of our traditional uh, uh, liturgy. But sadly, it's not. And it's one of those things that people often rush through. But really, according to the uh, to the uh, the original uh, uh, Rishonim, it should be done binagina with a song. Kidamrina, uh, like we say, this now he's quoting a medrash. It's a fascinating idea. Kol hashiros asidos libatel, all of the songs, and it's not clear which songs we are referring, that the medrash is referring to, but it may be the songs which you find in Sefer Tillam, but the medrash says that all songs asidin libatel will eventually become nullified. Chutz mimizmo lesoda. The one exception, one song which we're going to take with us seemingly into the future era is this song called Mizmor Lestoda. So this obviously is something which has a very special place in our, in our liturgy. And there's a machlokis actually, is that, is, uh, I mean, we, we know by us, common practice is to stand. So the reason we stand, now remember, I think we said this at the beginning, I think this is in the in, introductory class. We said that, uh, davening primarily is a meditation of sorts to get ourselves in our minds ready for davening. And that was the sequence. We talked about it in the first class about the sequence, which we have as we go step by step through the Siddur. It's supposed to get us closer and closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu until we are prepared to actually have that intimate, private uh, conversation uh, with him. So as we're moving along, since it's a private meditation, so there's no reason to stand. You're not standing before God other than when we, uh, then when, other than when we say Shemon Esrei. And that's why, Birchos Kriya Shema, Kriya Shema is holy as Kriya Shema is, 
it said sitting down because you're not talking to God, you're talking to yourself. So that being the case, anytime we actually do find ourselves standing during davening, there has to be a reason why we're doing so. It's not random that we, uh, we stand up at the particular times. It has to be addressing a particular thing. So over here, we get up in the middle of Sukkot Zimra and we stand. So why do we go ahead and do so? So the rationale behind our minog, which is to stand for Mizmor Lesoda, is because the same reason, the same rationale, which we, we saw uh, and discussed when we were doing the Corbano section, which is that anytime we're going to be reading something, which is a replacement for the actual bringing of a Korban, we stand. So that's why some people will stand when they say Parsha Satamit, when they read that section of Parsha Satamit, since it's reminiscent of actually bringing the Korban, a Korban has to be brought by the Kohen standing. A Kohen cannot bring a Korban sitting down. So our practice of standing for Mizmor Lesoda is also reminiscent of the bringing of a Korban. And since it's reminiscent of the bringing of a Korban, therefore you would go ahead and that's why we go ahead and stand. Other uh, poskim reject this outright. They say this is not uh, this is not in place of bringing an actual korban toda, and therefore they are of the opinion that you sit for mizmor lesoda. That there's no reason to get up because these are these are psukim or a paragraph, a parak of praise of God, but it has nothing to do with the actual offering of the korban. And since it has nothing to do with the offering of the korban, there's no reason to stand for this any more than you would stand for ashray. Nobody stands, you know, goes out of their way to go ahead and stand for ashray. So that is a different opinion whether or not you would you would stand over there. But now he says, um, now he says. Now they, they quote others. I'm reading this from the Lakute Marif. He says that the reason why we go ahead and we say Mizmor Lesoda, is because there's no such thing as a day going by where one doesn't experience something miraculous. Now, we take most things for granted, right? The fact that we can sit here and we can listen and our bodies are function, functioning is essentially a miracle, but it's one of those things which we take for granted. But every day, there's no such thing as a day going by where one doesn't experience a nace. And the reason why we miss it is, now he's quoting from a Gemara Nida, it says, because very often the recipient of these basic miraculous things are something which are overlooked by, the, by the, uh, the one who experiences it. So I could look at the events in your life and I could see miraculous things, but I won't necessarily see the miraculous things in my life. Having to do with biases and you know, with some different psychological things over there. But being that, it's taken as a given that everybody experiences miraculous things on a daily basis. Therefore, So he says, that's why we go ahead and we, uh, we, uh, we have to give that's Lesoda, we have to give thanks to Hashem for that. And now, I'm sorry that the screen doesn't allow us to be able to see both of them at the same time. But he says, And if you look in the Siddur Hashlah, he says, this is the rationale for the Ashkenazi minag, our minag. He says, why we go ahead and we say mizmor lesoda. Again, if this is a Corbin related thing, why isn't it in the section of Korbanos? That's the question that he's addressing. So the Siddur Hashla says that we say mizmor lesoda specifically at the end of the hodu section, all three sections together. Why? Because because what's the last thing we say? 
that I give song to Hashem, right? On the English side, I'll highlight it. I will sing to Hashem, for he dealt kindly with me. So that word, kigamal alai, sounds like hagomel, right? That's the same word. That's the same shorish that we say for hagomel, which a person says when their life was potentially at risk and Hashem did something miraculous to save them. So when we're thinking about kigamal alai, that Hashem has done these wonderful things for me, that reminds me, oh, I better thank Hashem for all of those wonderful things. And therefore the transition flows very smoothly when we go, Ashil Hashem kigamal alai. Oh, yeah, I got to go ahead and do that. And then I go ahead and I give thanks to Hashem for, for, for that thing. So that is what he says. Um, um, right. And then he says, now the practice of the um, he says the, okay, we don't need to do that. And then he says um, last thing is um, he says, yeah, sorry. He says, if you look in the tour, with this we're going to finish. He says, he says, amongst Midhag Ashkenaz, so we don't go ahead and, and say Mizmor Lesoda on Shabbos or Yantif. Why? So this fits in with our pattern perfectly. Because if we're assuming that Mizmor Lesoda is reminiscent of the bringing of the Korban Toda, and that's why it's going to be in this place and all of that. So if it's, and that's why we stand. So She'en Toda Nikrevis B'Shabbos Yantif. A Korban Toda is a private Korban. Private korbanos are not brought on Shabbos and Yantif. So therefore, that's why we skip Mizmor Lesoda on Shabbos and Yantif. But But the Torah says, if you as an individual want to say it, so you can. He says, if you want to say it, you have the option to do so. And we're not afraid that if a person gets in the practice of reading Mizmor Lesoda nowadays on Shabbos and Yantif, he will think that when the Beis Amitash is rebuilt, he's going to be able to walk into the Beis Amitash and bring a Korban Toda on Shabbos and Yantif. Because you can be certain that when he walks, he strolls into the Beis Amitash with a, uh, a goat or a lamb or something on Shabbos, and they say, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm bringing a Korban Toda. One of the Kohanim will say, we're so sorry, but we don't do that on Shabbos and Yantif. So it's not as if he's, that it's going to lead to an actual error. And then he says, this is the interesting part, Ube'emes v'sidur of Amram Gon, so this is going back to the time of the Gonim, Lesa Mizmor Lesoda, Rak B'Shabbos. They said Mizmor Lesoda only on Shabbos. They didn't say it during the week. So that's the exact opposite of we do. Well, we do. We do it on weekdays and not on Shabbos. Rav Amram Gom says that's going to be said only on Shabbos, and they didn't do it during the week. And also one of the Rishonim also reports the same thing. That was the minig in his place, is that they only said it on Shabbos, and they didn't say it on the weekday. Why is that? You know, this gives us insight into Shabbos. The Hatam, Shabbos who Yom Hoda. Because Shabbos by its nature is a day of thanksgiving to Hashem. And since the day of Shabbos is a day of thanksgiving to Hashem, more so than the weekday. So that's why it was reserved for recitation only on Shabbos. And they didn't say it during the, uh, the week. 
And then he mentions the other practice about not saying it on air of Pesach because you won't have enough time to do it before the Chametz becomes Aser, and you don't do it on air of Yom Kippur because also when Yom Kippur rolls in, that's going to take away time from being able to eat it. And all of those things, all those practices which we have are reminiscent of this idea that we look at it as, as a replacement for the actual bringing of the carbon itself, and therefore how we recite it and when we recite it is going to be consistent with the actual bringing of the Korban Toda itself. So this is where we are going to hold it uh, tonight. So next week, Imriyat Hashem, so we'll pick it up with the, uh, the section of Yehi Chavod. And from there, we'll go Yehi Chavod, try and decipher those sukkim or the theme of that paragraph. And then from there, we'll move to, uh, to Ashrei and the, uh, the Halalukas. All righty. Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah, take care. So don't forget those.